Hello and welcome to episode 42 of The Worst Critics. I'm Noah Davis. I'm John Pena. And today we're having a special Metacast episode because of some technical unforeseen difficulties that you wouldn't be able to understand, okay? Nobody would understand. Yeah. Technically, they were just difficulties that happened to be also technical, so... An act of God, if you will. Yeah. So, we will get on straight to the news. We're going to make it kind of quick, since we technically already recorded an episode, whatever, besides the point. First bit of news is a bit of casting news. Scarlett Johansson, Jason Schwartzman, and Rupert Friend have joined Wes Anderson's new movie. This is, of course, the movie we've talked about the last two weeks, with Margot Robbie and Tom Hanks. We're going to move on. Lionsgate has made a movie called C.I. Ape and released a trailer for it. It is surprisingly, or maybe unsurprisingly, a direct-to-VOD and DVD release, which is an ancient art form, I suppose. Uh, the it trailer, looks the part. <laughs> The trailer is just as bad as you'd expect, and it's even got the voice narrator that died years ago, but they've tried to replace him multiple times. It's just never worked out for anybody. Moving on, Emily Blunt has signed on to star in an Amazon-backed action-adventure movie about a female Sherlock Holmes-esque character, Kate Warren. Kate Warren is a real-life figure who was the first female detective at the Pinkerton Detective Agency and is being produced by Dwayne The Rock Johnson's production company that should be out late next year. The live-action adaptation of My Hero Academia, which was announced way back in 2018, has found its director in Shinsuke Nato. This will be his first English-speaking movie or English-speaking directorial debut. He was the man behind the live-action Bleach movie that I think Netflix co-produced and Netflix's Alice in Borderland, which is an Alice in Wonderland kind of spinoff or loose retelling in post-apocalypse yeah, Tokyo. It looks crazy. Uh, according to Deadline, Apple is set to win a major bidding award when Jennifer Lawrence's new project is going to be a biopic about Sue Mangers. Mangers was a talent agent for the stars of New Hollywood in the 60s, 70s, and 80s. Uh, creator and director of the young Pope Paolo Sorrentino will be directing. I'm not sure who's going to be the scribe on that movie, but uh, hey, Paolo Sorrentino killed it with the young Pope, and I'm glad he's finally getting an American released movie because he did a lot of Italian projects. And moving on to some reboot and sequel news, Peacock has announced that they're producing a TV series based on Kevin Costner's old 1995 movie around there, uh, Field of Dreams. It is coming to us from the Good Place creator and Parks and Rec co-creator, Michael Skur. Uh, a lot of people know him as Moe's from The Office. He was a writer or a staff writer on The Office for a few years. So I don't know if this movie or this uh, TV adaptation is going to be a comedy of sorts or is it going to be a fantastical dramedy like the movie was originally. Uh, I'd much prefer it if it was just a straight comedy because that movie is not amazing. It's family friendly, but yeah, yeah I can live without it. Not the best. Although now that I'm thinking about it, we just talked about Waterworld TV show last week. So it's weird that these two Kevin Costner 90 mo 90s movies are getting uh, TV reboots. It's a weird coincidence. Okay, over at Amazon, they have an ink to deal with Sony. That's worth about $100 million. That will see Hotel Transylvania 4, Transformania, debut globally on Prime Video instead of having any theatrical run at all. So, if you're hoping to see that in the theaters with the kids, too bad. Watch it at home on your Prime. Uh, this would be the fourth deal between Amazon and Sony, following uh, Greyhound, or sorry, not Amazon and Sony, but Sony and 
other streaming services. Uh, you know, like Greyhound and American Pickle and the new Cinderella Amazon movie. Yeah, so Sony's really banking on the uh, the streaming contracts instead of worrying about theatrical runs this year. I mean, I'd, I'd figure a lot of production companies are thinking the same thing, and with all these first right deals and first dib contracts, uh, you know, it's not really surprising here. Real quick, I just wanted to comment. Uh, we mentioned before, what an awesome name, Hotel Transylvania 4, Transformania, but... Uh, just because it's the Metacast, I'll quickly go over it, but it's just funny to see you actually like typed Hotel Transylvania. Uh, <laughs> I, mean, I think that's, that's, okay. a, that's, that's a fun one. Okay. On. Anyway, that's it. Speaking of Adam Sandler, Adam Sandler and Jennifer S. Aniston are set to return for Murder Mystery 2. Uh, Murder Mystery 1 was a part of that Netflix Happy Madison deal, but I'm not sure if that deal is still ongoing. So this might just be a whole new contract they've signed up for or maybe netflix you know and adam sandler just have a working relationship now who knows but they're coming back for a murder mystery too i'm sure we'll see that within the next year or two with how fast netflix gets things done and adam sandler seems to pump out things a lot uh moving on to some captain america 4 news it is confirmed that anthony mackie will star as sam wilson and officially become the new captain america and have his own titular movie uh, the Falcon and Winter Soldier's head writer and creator Malcolm Spellman and series staff writer Dalen Musson or Masson will be writing this movie. Should be out late next year, or probably early 2023, I'd assume. I don't think there's anything confirming that, but you know, it's Marvel. They're pretty good about their overturn or their turnover, sorry. And speaking of Disney. They have announced their new Home Alone reboot, which is aptly titled Home Sweet Home Alone. It will premiere on Disney Plus December 12th this year. Uh, they released a little teaser and I think maybe a trailer. It looks like a movie. I'm not going to care enough to. Yeah, I mean, as silly as it sounds, we're going to we'll probably watch it. You know, November comes around. One of so us good. will probably watch it, I assume, for sure. And speaking of more Disney movie news Cruella 2 is officially happening Disney has struck a deal with Emma Stone according to Deadline so apparently they solved that whole money debacle of not getting the streaming money or not getting the theatrical money and there isn't any word on the director writer coming back but who knows uh, Emma Stone is returning for Cruella 2 I still we still need to see that I but I'm not going to pay $30 for premiere access uh, I think that comes on Disney Plus for free here in a few weeks. So probably watch it then. And moving on to Todd McFarlane's Spawn movie, which has been in development hell for a long time, which is, yeah, which has been in development hell, uh, has found its writer in Brian Tucker, who wrote a 20, early 2010s movie, Broken City, that starred Mark Wahlberg and Russell Crowe. There's no exact details on the Spawn movie, but years ago, Todd McFarlane said he wrote the script and that the script had Spawn as the villain and more of an ethereal object rather than main character Spawn, you know, like the original movie or the TV shows. And that always sounded interesting, but I really doubt that's going to fly or get any sort of budget. And I bet this is going to be a little more conventional. Moving on, Sylvester Stallone confirms that he will be starring in an Expendable spinoff movie. It will start shooting in October, and its codename is Christmas Story. 
Now, whether that's actually when it's going to be shot or whether that's to do with the plot of the movie, we're not sure. But it is kind of weird that it's titled Christmas Story or codenamed Christmas Story. I can only imagine uh, Expendables Christmas movie would probably be worth a watch for a second. If we could talk about that if you want. I don't know if that's worth it. Whatever. Uh, speaking of old Sly Stallone, he will be playing a retired Superman-adjacent character in a new movie called Samaritan. It'll be directed by Julius Avery, who directed that alternate World War II thriller horror movie Overlord four or five years ago, and it will release on August 26th of next year. Uh, it's it's interesting to see more, I don't know what the word for it is, uh, different superhero stories these days, because, you know, They've almost been perfected, I'd say, or Marvel has really set the level a little too high to just have a generic superhero or a Superman story. So it's nice to see a retired Superman because there's a lot of room to tell, you know, uh, a retired Superman story or why he would retire or why he would disappear and how that feels. You know, I can only imagine, you know. And again, depending on the type of story they decide to tell, the plot they're in. There's ways of making it good. There's ways of making it shit. Is it going to be somber and dark? And, you know, has he been bested? Why did he retire? Why is he coming back? Like, there, there, there's interesting avenues to explore there. Um, And Sylvester Stallone will play the part pretty well, I can imagine. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Hopefully, Retired uh, Rocky is some of the better Rocky that we've seen, so. Hopefully it's more of a Logan situation and not just a, I don't know, random DC Universe movie situation. <laughs> Because I, I guess that's the low bar for superhero movies, really. Moving on to some sequel news. Real Steel 2 is apparently in the works, according to Free Guy director Sean Levi. Uh, Hugh Jackman is set to return. And I just want to point out that the timing's more than impeccable because we just talked about Rock'em Sock'em Robots being announced over at Hasbro maybe a month or two ago. And the fact that they bring out Real Steel 2... It's kind of weird because Real Steel 1 was supposed to be a Rock'em Sock'em Robots movie, but they couldn't get the rights, so then it became Real Steel, and now we'll probably have both movies coming out at similar times, and it'll be like one of those things where we get two Hercules movies, or we get White House Down and Olympus Has Fallen. You guys get it. You know, those adjacent plot movies. Uh, I, I assume we'll get those 2023 or so. Uh, according to Kevin Feige, Shang-Chi will only be in theaters for 45 days until it's made available to all Disney Plus subscribers. Uh, this is a little short of a cinematic or a theatrical window to me, but uh, earlier you said that what Disney Plus users or people will buy Disney Plus just to see this movie rather than go and yeah, buy a ticket. Yeah, so I guess 45 days does make sense, but at the same time, if it did gangbusters and if it was super popular, is that enough time to even reap the benefits or will this Disney plus release just have people kind of a little cautious about going to the theaters to see it when they could just wait a month and a half and boom, it's at their home. I think theaters are still a thing enough that people will go watch it. Um, Obviously not like a tremendous amount, but enough. Um, I think the bigger deal will be. Will theaters just be dead by then because like with the new surge of covid like is it is it that people have interest in going to see it but they're like i don't want to risk dying to go (laughs) like when i can just wait 45 days and watch it on disney plus and 
Shang-Chi's not like a big IP, you know what I mean? I mean, hey, like they're Guardians. banking on it. It's, uh, it's I, know, I mean, it could be. be. I'm, I'm, not saying it, I'm not saying it can't be, but it's not Captain America. It doesn't have this, you know, heroic iconography, Iron Man. Right, it does have the name recognition as their other classic heroes, I'd say. Yep. Okay, moving on to our last piece of news. Uh, the Suicide Squad's total theatrical run will apparently be less than Suicide Squad's opening day. Uh, this isn't really news so much as it's very interesting. Obviously, there are multiple aspects to this one situation, whether it's the HBO Max release, COVID, or, you know, uh, I, I don't know, people's general apprehensiveness to well, go to the movies. For the, uh, the listeners at home, uh, Suicide Squad is the original one with Jared Leto, and The Suicide Squad is that one that just came out. Uh, no Jared Leto, so... Right, you're and, confused by us talking about the same piece of news twice. And it seems, you know, people seem to like this new one, whereas the original one was not liked. I don't think anybody liked it. Uh, most people. But it had hype. But it had hype. Had the hype and the marketing budget. Had all those songs. Had Lil Wayne on the track. Uh, had, oh, yeah. Yeah, I had the original. That song was super soundtrack. popular. Yeah. Yep. And that's it for news. Alrighty, uh, as far as music is concerned this week, uh, pretty small, about three good pieces of music news and then nothing else really. So Division Tide Dollar Sign, Cheers to Best Memories album, uh, Lord Solar Power is coming out this week, um, a meme of Switchfoot and Intero Bang is the album. Switchfoot, best band ever. Yeah, everyone loves a good Switchfoot album. <laughs> uh, but the other good album uh, that's coming out is an indie band called Villagers, their Irish band. Uh, they got a new album called Fever Dreams coming out, um, and I would highly recommend listening to the song Nothing Arrived by them. Um, absolute banger. Okay, you want to tell us what you did this week? Uh, fast forwarding. Fast forward. uh, so mostly just listen instead of watch. As far as watching things, I've watched episodes here and there of uh, Hacks, the HBO Max original show I talked about last week, Caught Up on Schmigadoon, Finished Off Dave, um, nothing really much to say. I also watched that uh, High School Musical, the musical, the show. First couple episodes, Olivia Rodrigo absolutely kills it. Not bad. Um, then we have a million music things. So Denzel Curry had a new single called "The Game," absolute banger from Zeltron. He's back to his old style, old very self. Denzel, very Denzel. If you don't like Denzel, you don't like it. If you like Denzel, you love it. Yeah, uh, Lizzo's new song with Cardi B. Rumors uh, listened to pretty good. Once again. If you like Lizzo and or Cardi B, you're like it. Uh, Bendigo Fletcher uh, had an album called Fits of Laughter. Uh, it's an indie band. You may or may not have heard of them, but a friend suggested it to me, and it's absolutely phenomenal. Really good indie album if you're into indie folk and indie rock. Highly recommend. Uh, Black Bear's Misery Lake. Kind of pitiful attempt at retconning himself. Uh, it's fine. I but, didn't love it. I, you know, I'm a fan yeah. of old SoundCloud Blackberry, or I'm a moderate fan of old SoundCloud Blackberry. So I, this album just wasn't it. Just wasn't it. Yeah, very okay. Uh, last full length album I listened to is Ben Platt's Reverie. Um, excellent album. Didn't know much about Ben Platt. Apparently, he's a big successful actor in a bunch of stuff. Had no clue. Um, things like Pitch Perfect to the Book of Mormon actually on stage. Um, and this album was fire and highly recommend. Um, Finally, some singles uh, that Noah put up and ones that I put up. Um, 
Lake Street Dive, a song called Hypotheticals off their new 2021 album called Obviously. Uh, highly recommend listening to them and that and checking out more projects from them. I'm very excited that I found that. Uh, and finally, Lord's new single, Mood Ring, off this new album that's coming out next week. Um, all in all, really good. I'm excited for that album. Okay, I'll take over. I'll start off with my music. Uh, FKJ, who you know is an artist I like, he released a, an EP called Just Piano where he covered some of his old songs and maybe some Vault songs uh, just on piano and nothing else. And they're very melancholic, very beautiful. Moving on. Uh, Toby released a single featuring Jazz Cartier called Woe. It's a good rap song. It reminds me of when Azizi Gibson and McJenkins put out that song with Alex Wiley where it's just two rappers I like. And, you know, the song's not amazing, but I'm going to enjoy it no matter what. Uh, moving on, Iggy Azalea's album, End of an Era, was actually really good. Uh, I want this sound bit for the episode, even though we lost it. Iggy Azalea put out a harder album than Migos did this year, so I'm not sure if that's something you thought you'd hear, but uh, it's it's a fact. You're welcome. <laughs> Factual statement that you'll hear on this podcast. Uh, it's got some great clubbing songs and almost rave early 2000s. There's just a, I don't know, it's super well produced. It's almost dance house in a way. It's, it's actually pretty damn good. Uh, then I have a single called Asylums for the Feeling by Silent Poets featuring Layla Adam. Uh, it is a song from a game called Death Stranding that I've been playing. It's an amazing song. It's haunting. Uh, really just, it sets an ambiance really well. And then it has an awesome breakdown about four and a half minutes in the song. I definitely listened to it. Then I listened to Billie Eilish's first album, which is not amazing to me. Uh, it felt like it was kind of edgy for the edge's sake rather than the the uh, versatility of Happier Than Ever or the range of Happier Than Ever, but whatever, it's the first album. And I will finish this bit out since we've disconnected again. I watched American Horror Stories, which is just absolutely trash. It's an anthological retell or not retelling, an anthological spinoff of American Horror Story where each episode is its own thing. Uh, it's very garbage. I mean, just absolute garbage. It's worse than American Horror Story in case you need a scale to accurately decide if you're going to watch it. Uh, then I'll talk about I got to the point where I'm watching the Columbo Revival episodes where it's the late 90s ones. He doesn't even smoke Candela cigars. It seems like these writers don't know what Columbo is. Some of the murders are a mystery that you don't actually know who murdered the people, and that's literally the opposite of what Columbo is. So don't watch the... 90s episodes just watch the original Columbo episodes and that's all i did for the week we'll move uh, on real, to quick, real quick i wanted to comment on the billy eilish thing uh just i think it was an order of operations thing more than anything but yeah i could see how listening to it second when it's her dreary emo you know lonely high school girl thing before she becomes a superstar like yeah it makes sense that it feels like she has more to talk about in the pop space, but also at the time it was very like avant-garde and different. And like, you still had people like, you know, um, like pop smoke and juice world and all the fucking weird little dudes like Lil pump and fucking even six, nine to an extent who would do like that soundcloud mumble rap, like sad boy emo rap, but it still wasn't pop. And so for her to bring that kind of vibe into the pop space, I think, was like what was so revolutionary about the album. Um, and specifically, I, I don't know if you were called off the top of your head because you thought they all sounded samey, but... Um, no, it did all sound samey. I just didn't really love it. Uh, Listen Before I Go is like one of my absolute favorite songs of all time now. So, Gotcha. Uh, you know, I will 
take this second since it's a metacast to plug our subreddit are the worst critics and that way you can see our playlist and not have to worry about anything we just said how about that you can just click yeah. that see what we listen to boom bada bing and... i'll also say since we're just taking time to promote random things instead of actually the thing that we're doing i love this uh if you like this format uh and or it sounds like we're fucking railing lines at Coke trying to speed this out. Um, I, I think it's kind of fun. It's honestly an interesting way to do the thing. So basically doing it all fast forward is kind of nice. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Let us know how you like it. We're going to move on to the reviews. Let's start with the killers review because I want to get this out of the way. This is a bad album. I don't I don't want to take long on this review since we might get disconnected at any time. This is a bad album. Uh, it's boring. It says the same thing over and over. It romanticizes the thing that it criticizes, which is just stupid. Uh, it's kind of just clashing ideas. The songs aren't technically inefficient, but they're just so boring and dull that it's it's disappointing on another scale because the killers have, have a budget. They have production people. They have pretty much anything they want to make an album, and this is what they come out with. Meh. My three My three comments are, one, I'm going to mirror what you just said. It's so well produced and has so much effort put into it that to put out such a polished turd is so aggravating. Like these people literally gilded a piece of human feces. Like I cannot stress (laughs) that they just dumped millions of dollars into a pile of shit. And it wasn't like for comedic effect. You know what I mean? Like if South Park did that, I think it's hilarious, but this is the goddamn killers. Uh, so that's number one. Uh, what a waste of money. Number two, if you like Bruce Springsteen, just go listen to Bruce Springsteen. You don't have to make an album so inspired by Bruce Springsteen and not feature the man himself. It's so frustrating. Uh, boss. So, yeah, just what an aggravating concept of an idea of a sound to steal this whole character and then turn it into this fucking mess. Number three is that why in the world did they start every song with a fucking skit, a little intro monologue from Claire and Joey Bob from Utah? I'm like, I'll fucking murder all of you. Get off my song. You made it an hour longer than it needed to be. It somehow overstayed its welcome, even though it's, what, 10 tracks, maybe 11 tracks? It's, a, it's, a, it's 11 songs, like 50 minutes, and it feels like 20 songs in two hours. Yeah, and if anyone who's listened before knows anything, they know I like a good theme. I like a good thematic album, and this was thematic, but that's not necessarily a good thing. I've said it before, and I'll say it again. I think, and it might not be super controversial, but I think the only albums in my mind that can be perfect albums are conceptual albums. I think there can be really excellent 10 out of 10 albums that aren't concepts, but the best albums in my mind top five off the top of my head are all concept albums just because it's so much more cohesive it's so much easier to get into any particular track because you know that it's part of this overarching picture and it's easy to see how they all blend together uh and this is like the antithesis of that the epitome of the bad side of that it's like the actual zero out of ten album which go figure is of course has to be a concept album that goes full circle so yeah, go fuck yourself, the killers. Yeah, Brain and uh, flowers. You know what you did, you piece of I, shit. I, I would defend it if I cared about the album, but I don't. So, zero out of five from us. Uh, worse than five. Goldlink. Zero and, out of five? Yeah, z- oh, zero out of five? I mean, it's the same <laughs> as zero out of ten. It's the same is as it, zero out it? of ten. Yeah. 
Why do we have two different numbers for the same Whatever. number? Whatever. It's still Makes zero. Sense. It's a zero. It's worse than Gold Link. That's all I know. Uh, move on to the movie. Oh, yeah. All right. Free Guy 2021. What's his name? The director. Sean Levi. Yep. Uh, I, I basically only had two points with this one. Uh, pro is that it's basically Ready Player One, but funnier. It's a comedic setting. It's got better actors. First off, better cast. Um, better performances all around, and it's all of the Easter eggs with none of the circle jerking. Well, not all the Easter eggs, but that's exactly why. None of the circle jerking about Easter eggs. Uh, and the jokes were funny. Um, my biggest thing, complaint, is that it, one, leaned too far away from the almost Deadpool-y sense of humor that it was going for. It's like, you know, it is PG-13, but it could have really leaned into, like, the R side of things. Um, and two, that the video game tropes portrayed on film while not as egregious as other films in that genre like ready player one or um oh fuck i'm blanking on the one we talked about earlier but summer um, wars. yes uh summer wars not quite as like overly tropey and like oh look at this fat nerd with cheeto dust on his chest but it kind of swung the opposite way like here's this fucking woman with no job who can afford like thousand dollar gaming rigs and doesn't need to work just is loving this fucking low tier video game from some is low tier publisher like it just didn't make any sense so um yeah i think some of the gaming things could go away and like some of the i think it was one too many cameos the movie ran a little long for a comedy with no real plot but it was it was a solid movie yeah i'll tack on to say that the plot was very contrived and that's my biggest complaint is that it just it anchored itself on a rather boring kind of love story that just wasn't I don't know. I didn't feel the need. It had to be there. It just, it made me think, you know, platonic relationships between men and women don't exist. Uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. So it, it, it I, was all this time, really. Yeah. And it sets up the climax like an hour into the movie, but then you have another 50 minutes until, you know, or another 30 minutes until the climax even starts. Uh, but it's still, I thought it was hilarious. I thought the references were tasteful. There was just a lot of small things, a lot of small, uh, just gaming references that, if you're not a gamer, I do not think this movie would be that funny. Uh, there, there are obviously some jokes that you'll get, but a lot of them are just small gaming things that if you played any MMO or any GTA Online or any shooter. Say really. online, online multiplayer video game, like you get most of the jokes in this. Yeah, so if you're not a gamer, I actually don't know if I'd recommend this movie, but if you're a gamer, it's, it's definitely worth the time. It's a really good summer flick. Uh, Jodie Comer was good. Ryan Reynolds was great. Lil Rel Howery. Uh, there's, uh, I wanted to say it's, no, that's, that's, that's all I really wanted to get to, uh, I, I, without talking about the actual, like, bits within the movie, uh, you know, like the Apex Predator joke, or the gun violence joke, or the cop scene, there's, there's a lot of things to talk about it. I thought, I thought Dude was funny. Yeah, Dude. A lot of the, a lot of the specific Easter eggs tied to him with the Disney Greek shoots and things like, yeah, it's, yeah. it's disappointing that, uh, they had such a contrived plot, but they obviously had multiple reshoots a la Disney. Uh, if you've seen the movie, you'll know exactly what we're talking about. Uh, so yeah, it's weird that this movie has been in production for four years and we get this really, really safe plot that doesn't exactly do anything crazy. I mean, you know, it, it does the job well, I guess, uh, I do like the real world correlation between like the lessons it tries to teach within this movie. That's a nice touch for a um, somewhat immature comedy. Just a, a nice bouncing act. I think we got it. You want to just outro? You want to give a rating? And what do you want to give it? 
I think seven out of ten is pretty fair. I had a seven five. So seven. No. free guy getting a seven two five from the worst critics. And that has been a not so normal episode of the worst critics. I'm Noah Davis. I'm John Pina. And Thanks we will, to the Metacast. We will see you episode 43, where we will be reviewing the new movie Reminiscence and Lord Solar Power. We'll see you next week. We're out of here. Hopefully, we have a better connection. We're out of here. <laughs>